shizzle. All right, so we're going right now. Um, man, a lot to catch up on these last couple of weeks, man. Anything new in your life, Twin? Uh, not much. I got the vaccine. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling, man? I, 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 I wasn't going to get it. I was going back and forth. But after getting it, I feel better. Yeah? How'd you feel the um, day of? I felt all right, though. Maybe, like... Maybe like one symptom, like a headache or something. Not, nothing crazy. Like I got the vaccine, I was able to go for a run that day. So it's awesome. It's nothing crazy. I don't. I'm not going to push the vaccine on anybody, but um, I would encourage you to do your research about it um, and make an informed decision. So yeah, for sure, man. I'm definitely going to get it eventually. I don't know the timetable on it. I don't know where I fall um, in the like category for when we're supposed to get it but hey man as long as it doesn't make me grow like a second head or doesn't give me like life-threatening illnesses dude i'm cool man we can uh i'm definitely up for it glad we have it just glad things are getting back to somewhat normal did y'all hear about mississippi and texas is like opening up ridiculous yep you know their governor leaves for cancun for or excuse me one of their senators leaves for cancun and like the worst snowstorm in the last 40 years Hey, come on back. We're going to open up for you, Ted. <laughs> now you can open things up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I don't even know what their numbers are looking like, um, but I don't think they're in a position to open anyway with the, the state of emergency they, they're having. And just, I don't think it's a good look at all. Austin is like blowing up right now. There are so many people from California and all these other states that are moving to Austin, Texas. I could stat there. It's almost a matter of time for that thing goes democratic, man. Ooh. Only a matter of time for it turns Ooh. blue. Ooh, it's hmm. only a matter of time. Interesting. And it's Imagine. all it's all gonna be because of Austin, <laughs> right? Austin's gonna say we'll put Texas in a different um uh, position. Um, it is crazy. A lot of people are relocating. Uh, even North Carolina, a couple of people moving to the Raleigh Durham area. Um. It just makes sense. People are working from home and it's just cheaper to stay other places. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Freddie, how are you, man? I am hanging in there. Um, the pandemic definitely, everything's getting a little better, but it's still not optimal to uh, do most of your schooling at home. Yeah. And I, I, I describe it as this. I feel like a zombie. Yeah. Just mindlessly working with no real purpose or fulfillment. Plotting how you're gonna take over the world and all that? Not anymore, just endlessly working. That's that's almost how it feels like. Well, well, here we are today, gentlemen. Welcome to Free and Flowing, hosted by Mr. Dwayne Atkins. I am Clay Davis, your co-host here, and uh, rotating third co-host, Freddie Serrano's back. Yes. Hi, everyone. Yes. Good to be back. Guys, so we're talking about Biden's first 50 days in office. Dwayne, start us off. What I'm, I'm going to start us off. I'm going to look at um, some of his cabinet picks. Well, not specifically his cabinet picks, but the um, just some of the demographics with his cabinet picks. So it looks like comparing Biden and Trump and Obama, Biden has more diversity According to NPR, more diversity than um, Obama and Trump. 
Trump had, he had more white men in his cabinet than Obama and Biden. Obama and Biden had 32%, 32 of their cabinets are white men. Trump is 73%. Um, women, Biden is 45%. Trump is 18%. And Obama's 36%. Non-white, Biden is 55%. Trump at 18%. Obama at 45%. And government experience. Trump, with the least amount of government experience, 68%. Obama, 80%, and then Biden, 95%. Man. What do you think? So, the, what do y'all think the 5% is for Biden? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe Buddha, uh, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> no government experience. <laughs> but he has, I mean, he has some, like, local government experience. Yeah, good old South Bend, man. I'm a big Mayor Pete fan. I was a... Uh, Fan of his on the campaign trail. Um, if only he was Senator Pete, I think he yeah. might have had some better odds. But that's another day, another conversation, gentlemen. So we're looking at the. You, you mentioned that by we're looking at Trump, seventy three percent white men. You know, you got sixty eight percent non government. Man, that's a it's a hefty little jump from the other two, Obama and Biden, that are above eighty. I don't know. You know, they wanted something different. I guess we got it. They got it with Trump. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he kept it very homogenous, I believe. Um, kind of, I believe he just surrounded himself with people that um, were yes men or could, you know, he could just, you know, throw anything at them, you know. I think a lot of people in his cabinet were just kind of just in a loophole. You just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, I found it interesting, man. We had a lot of Trump cabinet members that were, in the cabinet, but then you also felt like you had some that were in Congress and the Senate, a bunch of yes men that he, man, he frankly treated them terribly. You got guys like Lindsey Graham, who, uh, excuse me, never worked for Donald Trump, but he was always his foot soldier, and, you know, in Congress, him and, and Jim Jordan always. So, and have y'all, have y'all heard about Jim Jordan that much? Do y'all know much about him? I don't. Schoolers. He, uh, interesting dude, used to, used to coach the Ohio State Buckeyes wrestling team, and there was a little bit of a scandal that's going on. They're investigating him for something. You can look it up if you want, but, uh, yeah, interesting cat. Now, every time he talks, I'm just astounded because his knowledge of the law is limited to going to law school but never sitting for the bar. I found that very interesting. So uh, just a very uh, charismatic guy, but uh, – definitely a pain in the butt when it comes to public policy and he's one of those guys that's just never going to get unelected where he's from the jordans are i mean they're they're royalty he's from a town in uh ohio called saint paris graham or graham ohio rather and uh wrestling's king former wrestling coach never going to get unelected i think that's the problem we're running into nowadays a lot of communities are having this just just con conveyor belt style just Term, term after term after term just keep going through and through and through it's the same guy um i'm wondering uh what happens in the future with the term limit amendment have you all heard about that i'm not but since you mentioned it uh i always wonder about mitch mcconnell probably the most unpopular politicians today <laughs> uh, where he's hated by both sides not just democrats uh, it's kind of funny man i'm not a mitch mcconnell guy i'm not man did y'all see mitch's speech in the senate when after the 
the second impeachment. Did y'all see that after the vote took place? I did not. Did you see it, Freddie? Uh, I did. It was very, uh, it was definitely frustrating. And he was trying to essentially um, have his cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. playing both ways uh, or getting both, both, uh, getting his way both ways because on one hand, he's telling Trump, we don't want you. On the other hand, he's saying, well, yes, he committed these crimes, but uh, we can't hold him accountable because it's outside of uh, his term. Or we were trying to hold a uh, trial outside of his term, and that's unconstitutional. Well, I'm like, you can't have it both ways like that. You just can't. Yeah, well, I think the most insulting part for me was that he did it after the vote. He spent so much time trying to make an argument that it was there was no way that a un, they, they were limiting impeachment to removal. And I know we're supposed to be talking about Biden's first 50 days, but we oh, got to work. We got we to gotta be talking about this. That's a part of his first. <laughs> this, this is uh, true. <laughs> that's a part of his first. Man, I, I, I am not a Mitch McConnell guy. I am not a, you know, I, I'm not a big Nancy Pelosi guy either, man. Anyone really? is a career politician. Any career whoa, politician. Whoa, whoa. Any politic career politician, man. I am ready to just get out. She might be doing some good things, man, but God, she should uh, not be 80 and still in the Senate, my man. So. We will. Um, I disagree, but I, I, I the only one of the things I didn't get with Nancy Pelosi on is like when there were a lot of the um, racial injustices going on last summer, and she came and did a. Um, she spoke and but had like a uh, kente cloth on. Oh yeah, that was terrible. And I was like, I get what you're saying, like you're in unity, but you didn't need to go that far. And a lot of people find. Kente Claw very, very sacred, and people who aren't in the African diaspora kind of people don't like when people wear it. So she got a little backlash from that. And I was like, no, I don't think you need to do all that. Like, we know you're for, you're progressive, so you don't need to go that far as wearing like Kente Cloth and stuff. So, yeah, what is that? I, I'm not familiar with that. Kente Cloth is a, um, is a type of material. I know, I, I believe it comes from. West Africa? Mm, okay. Let me give you, let me school you. No, you're good. I, why are you doing that? I was just going to say, uh, bro, my big. Oh, you, you already got it? I, pull, I pulled it up, but it, it res, uh, originates from uh, West Africa um, and Ghana. So, um, yeah. But anyway, that was that was so random. And it was like more of a personal thing. It was just like nothing she did as far as policy, but I was just. Like, uh, not a good look, so. Yeah, I, you know, for me with Nancy Pelosi specifically, I don't even have a problem with a lot of the things that she votes for. I don't think that's the issue for me. I think a lot of times I don't like the back and forth she'd get into with Trump. Um, I didn't like some of the some of the political moves that she made, such as withholding uh, times when they would vote um, on certain issues so that Trump would not get credit. I didn't, wasn't a big fan of that. Um, however, I did get her reasoning for it. She wanted certain things in the stimulus package that weren't in there. So I understood. Um, I didn't like the haircut incident. I thought that was a little immature of her. I thought she should have just took responsibility and just said, yep, I did something wrong. I just, I'm not a big California Democrat guy. Like I like their policies and I'm not necessarily like 
angry with, but a lot of times you'll see people just cream of the crop from money or politics or power to stay in positions there. Granted, they, they do talk about social justice and progressive policies, but at times I just say to myself, California needs to get more, more active politically with more individuals involved. I don't need Nancy Pelosi for 40 years or mm. um, who, who's the other one? The one that I, the bar, who, what's her name? Maxine Waters, is that her name? Right yeah. Ryan Feinstein. Feinstein, just they've been there for so long. I just, I hear certain things that speeches that are given and it just seems that they're just not all there. And I just want to see somebody from our generation, maybe even like under the age of maybe 40 to 50, even just jump in somebody new and just seeing like Gavin Newsom drives me nuts. I'm not a Gavin Newsom guy. I think I'm, I'm a big fan of Ezra Klein and I don't know if y'all are familiar with Ezra Klein. Uh, he used to be one of the, uh, Head editors at at Vox V O X, and now he works for the for the unit the New York Times. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and uh, really smart guy. Uh, he's admittedly a liberal, um, but he wrote a very good op ed that I I really like. I agreed with. Uh, essentially, the op ed was titled. I think it was titled um, "California Makes Progressives uh, Squirm." Whoa. Which he's essentially, his argument is you have a lot of people in California that say they're very pro uh, Black Lives Matter. They're very pro LGBT, LGBT, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And they're very pro immigrant. Um, They, you know, like show this through like uh, putting yard signs and like saying on social media, very, uh, you know, pro progressivism essentially, and then they end up uh, making policies that end up hurting uh, a lot of these communities um, because you have a lot of people that uh, NIMBYism and a lot of what is NIMBYism? NIMBYism essentially like not in my backyard, folks. Oh, so people that, for example, uh, I think you talked about this in one of the articles. Like, if there's a uh, a place where they could put like more affordable housing, but people that live near there are like, no, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. It kind of stops all progress. Wow. So even though they might have progressive views, they have conservative actions. And that's what he argues wow. is happening in California. Um, great article. I highly recommend it. Um, but I think that's one of the main issues with California. I think it is a beautiful state with beautiful climate, beautiful environment, uh, beautiful people. Oh, yeah. I, I do definitely agree with you, Clay, that the politics is a little messed up there. Well, I, I, I'm just seeing, I just, I see it as a place that is so rich in social justice and intellectual. Um, it's just so rich in knowledge with all the major institutions, UCLA, Stanford, all the state schools that are very, very known for their, their academics. It's just, there's so much knowledge in that state academic wise and just that it's the same people every single time <laughs> well drives me nuts let me ask this do you think how do you think a revolving door will work with states like what is the max with tenure or should tenure be judged by your um, progress i mean i'm personally in favor of term limits after four terms like i would be cool with that 
get them out of there in that, in that standpoint and have them consult, get somebody up, raise somebody through the ranks. I think that would be a lot more trans. I think I, I personally believe the government should represent its people. It should be a representative democracy where individuals from that community that are in that district are represented by people who reflect their views. And it's not just a gerrymandered district where one political party dominates solely because of the political letter by their name. And mm. I, that's my issue with politics at some point in general, and that's philosophical. Um, so to answer your question, I would love four terms, four terms and out. I, I get I get that argument, um, and it's a very good point, very fair points indeed. Um, I actually disagree a little. That's fine. Uh, I think um, when you have such high turnover under term limits, you have people in the government that are less experienced uh, that end up uh, having to learn everything every four cycles, and you'll have a lot less organization versus when. There is no term limiting. You have incumbents that have been there and while can become senior leadership and know the inner workings of Congress. Traditionally, it has used to work very well, um, but under current polarization, uh, it's becoming harder and harder to legislate. That said, uh, I'm not sure if term limits would fix some of those issues. I think it's more so uh, kind of a grassroots uh, local organizing and just hearing out the other side. Uh, for both camps at the end of the day. And I think it's important to definitely extend the political um, political uh, olive branch, if you will. I think that's important. However, I just think that based off of current trends and representatives that there's so much influence by other sources that I think some, I believe that some term limit is necessary. In the Senate, they give you 24 years in the Senate. In the House of Representatives, it's what, two years? Two years, so that would be eight, eight years. years. I mean, at that point, I do believe, I do agree senior leadership is definitely a weakness of that term limit argument. I agree with that 100%. Um, but I still believe that some form of regulation needs to happen. I mean, it's going to have to come through an amendment. It's not happening through – it's not happening through a federal act. That that's that's what I think. I think it's going to have to be an amendment, and the fact to see that amendment coming, it's going to be a long shot. It's going to be a long process, and I don't know. And you know, I'm more inclined to say that yes, term limits in the Senate. I agree with you there. Mm -hmm. um, in the House, they have term limits. It's called elections because they're so frequent. Like it's every two mm -hmm. years, so that's kind of a check on the House of Representatives. I'm not too worried about them. Um, the Senate definitely. It's it's a pretty undemocratic. Uh, chamber to begin with so having term limits there might actually um, affect in a positive way um, you know some changes that we desperately need in this country I just think the house of representatives is great for I mean well, okay here's my thing with the house it's like two years every two years there's an election and it's almost like it's unfair to the person going up against them because there's so much exposure during congressional hearings, you'll notice a lot of congressional hearings occur when a, when re-election time occurs. That way, these House of Representatives that are on the ballot, their best campaign is national television. Mm -hmm. And it's almost unfair to anyone to unseat them because they get so much more exposure than their competitor, which, I mean, isn't an issue. That's just the, the nick of the trade. Like, that's just how it happens. 
So I definitely think it's an interesting concept. Unfortunately, the guy that's proposing that is Ted Cruz. And we all know Ted Cruz goes down with the ship. He loves to stick around. So we'll see what happens. He is a phenomenal person. Yeah, did y'all, did y'all hear the uh, – what did you think about this story? They, they sent a mariachi band to his house. Did you hear about that? I did. Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, what were you saying? Oh, no. Let me. I want to go back to a point before we get to Ted Cruz. So is there a point where we – do limits but we do it without um like like there being ageism thing doesn't does it make sense what i'm saying so that's a good point do we like okay you're you're like 80 you're 85 like oh that's it no there's nobody 85 <laughs> and because i think we walk a fine line with that though how it's like you can represent but then you're too old to represent so that was just a point I wanted to make, but yeah, let's let's um, bash. I mean, <laughs> address, oh, address it. Right I'm so there. sorry. Address it. I'm so sorry. Let's address. <laughs> oh man, I got a couple of things I want to talk about, gentlemen. I want to talk okay. about first. Let's talk about Ted, and then we got to talk about Gina Carino, man. We 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 got to talk about it. And if you don't know, we'll talk about it. All right. So they got a mariachi band that you see on the screen, Dwayne, playing at Ted Cruz's home. Some guy organized a GoFundMe. It looks like a guy named Adam Jamma of Carrollton, Texas. And uh, he set up a GoFundMe in under, looks like it was 24 hours. They got a $1,000 goal. And uh, (laughs) yeah, they got a mariachi band to play at Cruz's house when he returned home. Oh, yeah. Freddie. I love it. Freddie, what do you think, man? (laughs) Is this... Is this okay? <laughs> Two words. Well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Cancun cruise. Oh man. Right. <laughs> They're like, we can bring it to you. Sorry you missed it. Did y'all hear he made a joke about it though at CPAC? Did y'all hear about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh he's one of those people that just has no shame. And <laughs> you know, unfortunately we have to live with that until the day, like you said, Clay, that uh, Texas turns blue. And then he'll have a rude awakening. But till then. He will have no shame. And I was, I was hoping, what was his name? Beto? I was hoping Beto would have got, would have, I was hoping he would have won that election, man. But as crazy as that guy is, Cruz, man, that guy loves the state of Texas, I thought, until he left for Cancun. Hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, when I look at it, he, there's, I hate, the argument is, it just looks bad. That's what I've been hurt. It just looks bad. Like, there's nothing he could have done. There's nothing that legislatively he could have done in the moment. But, my frustration with that is I am very, very of the fan of you go down with your ship. You mm-hmm. go down there just in case there is something you can do legislatively, just in case there is something you can do. Stick tight. I felt like it was a very elitist move. It just didn't look good. I don't like it. It didn't sit well with me, and I hope he doesn't get reelected. I always hope he doesn't get reelected, but this time especially. Yeah. 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 I. Oh, and shout out to – Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for um, AOC. Yeah, she she <laughs> raised about five million dollars. Yeah, to to help Texans in need, and that was phenomenal. I know a lot of them. Better O'Rourke uh, did a lot of volunteer work, and it was, you know, uh, these are the things I like to see. It's like uh, Texas was going through a struggle, and I'm glad that there were people, even those outside of the state. Not necessarily at our constituency, but at the end of the day, they helped because that's the most human thing to do. Um, yeah, there was a lot of help needed in in Texas. Um, they were in a very, yeah, it was a very um, horrible situation. People 
no power, boiling snow, um, pipes leaking. So it's just such a bad situation. I didn't realize they were on their own power grid. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. So I want to talk about something that also happened in Biden's first 50 days. This is an interesting topic to me. It's a it's the cancel culture, they call it. Um, Miss Gina Carino, do y'all know who that is? No idea. All right. So Gina Carino was a star on The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. She was a notoriously conservative actor. She posted tweets in the past that got her sent to HR to meet with certain individuals of the LGBTQ community. Um, So she's done this before, but one tweet that really got her in trouble was the one that I have on the screen. uh, She says that Jews were beaten in the street, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that they get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews and the government first made their own neighborhoods hate them simply for being Jews. How is this any different from hating someone for their political views? Hmm. Wow. Um, my immediate reaction is there are certain hot buttons I think we go through. And I think um, anything with the Nazis is just a hot button. It's like an automatic, like, just don't, just don't even go there. There's, you cannot make a point about that. Just leave that subject alone and just move on. So automatic, just, I'm just automatically like, mm, nope, not, mm, I don't know. No. Nope. Well, Freddie, what do you think? Oh, no, I agree with Dwayne. It's something you don't even, <laughs> yeah, you don't just, even touch. I, I, I get, I'm guessing this was addressing cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. She was talking about how they canceled certain individuals for their political views, and I don't know, man. It just didn't sit right with me. I mean, I do know rather. It just didn't sit right with me. Um, well, there's a difference in having political views and a difference of being like you know a expressing uh, bigoted, racist, right. sexist yep. um, views. That's, there's two different. I think, in my opinion, it's two different things. You could you could say your political views openly here in this country. You can state them openly to just have consequences, you know, just like any other action you do, they have consequences. And comparing them to Nazi soldiers that hunted people solely for their religion, that their life was defi- defined by of being Jewish, that is who they were as people. And the fact that they couldn't come out and say, I'm Jewish and speak out about that, they couldn't because they would be subjected to getting harmed or killed or put in a camp. That's just a terrible analogy for someone who can still post on Twitter and keep her life together and not die. I think it's a horrible analogy. I believe it's terrible. And I, and I was speaking with a friend of mine this week who is, um, you know, he identifies as conservative, uh, smart guy, very smart guy, you know, a good longtime friend. We don't agree politically, but um, smart guy. He asked my opinion on this and I haven't been able to talk to him yet. But I guess my short opinion on this, guys, is that she she consented to work for a private entity as Disney. Disney is a company that values certain things. You consent, in my opinion, you consent to uphold a certain standard when you work for a company that pays your bills. They're not, you're not mandated by the, you don't have all your first amendment rights working for a company. Not, not all of them are in order. There's certain ones that are available, but you don't have a right to post certain things on Twitter if it, if it backlash, if it conflicts with some with the company's moral 
um, belief system. You know, private companies. Private yeah. companies. Thank you. Yeah, it's, that's important. And, and so I, that's that's what I didn't. That's what frustrates me about this whole controversy. It's like I hate that she lost her job. I really do. I hate it. But at the end of the day, she should not have made a statement like that. Paid anyone that loses their job and isn't able to pay their bills. But I'm sure she's fine. I hope at least. But I mean, did she? Did they have a right to fire her? Yeah, they did. And the unfortunate truth is they did. Um, she was warned twice in HR. <laughs> they told her to stop doing this. Um, if you don't, it's essentially saying, well, if you don't want to do this, don't work here. All right. See you. They let her go. That's it. For me, it's that simple. What about this cancel culture though? Um, is it like you get canceled and it get and to become canceled is like egregious. Like this is, this is it. You're done. Do you think people can be canceled and that's it? Can you come back from being canceled? You can I just I believe it depends on the topic matter yeah such as if you are canceled for something you did 30 years ago and you mm-hmm. you take it on the chin and you say I I mean if you say that I was wrong then I'm not not this now I I'd like to think you can come back yeah, and you know that that reminds me I don't know if you'll heard the story of that country singer uh, who said the n-word and oh, yeah. it was mm. extremely inappropriate they shouldn't have done that um so people spoke out against that and they're like yeah he's canceled he's he's this this was not right you're good and done now 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 with the culture the climate we're in now you got to know like certain hot buttons and you just can't hit them exactly and uh, it's what really frustrated me was finding out later that uh once people were talking about him um, because he had some in work, uh, his I think his record sales went up. So people were, yeah, people really thought, you know, that this was okay. Um, but I will say this: the money he actually raised from, um, you know, after all this happened, uh, he did donate to the NAACP. Mm. Uh, so while it doesn't completely, it it sure as hell doesn't. Um, make anything right it's it's a step in the right direction um, in place of a empty promise or an empty apology I should, I should say but I, yeah. but it sure it, again it doesn't make things right but it is a step oh yeah 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 and, and I think I think of the person I think the person's attitude while they're in the cancellation <laughs> kind of determines how they come back um can they regroup? Uh, but if they're just going to be bullheaded and like, oh, well, get over it, I don't think they can they can come back. But I, I going back to Clay's point, like you're talking if you're talking about something from 15 years ago. Yeah, different. We're in a different mindset. We're in a different climate. Let's not do that. But in the and we already know that this culture exists. So I, I, mean, I don't believe we should walk a fine line, but we should just, you know, be cautious of the buttons that we are hitting you know with our actions so absolutely i I just hate the republican narrative excuse me i just hate the conservative narrative rather um (laughs) i just hate the narrative of the cancel cultures out to get everyone and they apply that that label so viciously and frequently where i think there's a difference between cancel culture of saying you're done for your actions and getting let go by a private corporation i think that's different Mm -hmm. I think that you cannot 
it, you have to separate the two, right? There's a difference between public cancellation and then a private company letting someone go for their actions. I think a private company that has every right to let someone go for their actions is different and not falling under cancel culture. And then you have to look at every situation on its face and the facts that align. But I feel as though you have to separate your moral opinion from the actual legal allowable action the company can do. You can't, Disney had every right to do what they did. Mm -hmm. You can say it's wrong or other people can say it's wrong, but unfortunately it happened. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at it that way. I don't even know if it's unfortunate. I think it's just what they believed in. Um, that person's entitled to their opinion. The government can't take it away from them. However, a private company who does not agree with their employee's sentiment in that situation can. So that's what's interesting to me. Um, public cancellation, I think, is interesting because really you're seeing... I don't like the researching people's past too much, but I do agree with getting out bigotry and certain things that people have done and bringing it to light. So we don't put people in great regard that may not truly feel that way. Um, but doxing is scary. It can happen to anyone. If you're caught on a bad day and you get filmed saying something crazy, then yeah, but you just gotta be ready to, face whatever backlash for anything that you say in a public forum or in public. I think that's important. Like on this podcast, we have to be um, responsible for everything we say. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. That is absolutely and, true. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be interesting with some of my <laughs> friends are back home here, what I'm talking about on this podcast, but <laughs> Hey, um, if you're listening, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, but um, yeah, cancel culture, I think is a undefined, it's a, it's a, it's an undefined topic that is defined very broadly that needs to be narrowly defined. You can't just say everything's cancel culture because someone got let go for what they did. I don't think that's a cancellation from the culture. I think that's a, you know, cancellation from a private company that doesn't like the individual. Right, right. You're being reprimanded. I, I don't think it's this monster that's coming for the world. I think it's an act that is occurring that is an independent action that you have to look at every situation. Um... But yeah, that's that's cancel culture, man. It's it, it, have you, you heard the the Dr. Seuss thing is the one that perplexes me the most. That one's really interesting because you have yeah. a private company that decided, oh, the this is wrong. Uh, maybe we should, um, you know, get with the times and understand that, you know, these publications are probably not what's you know what we're representative of. They remove it themselves. Uh, no harm, no foul. You can still read Green Eggs and Ham. You can still read uh, The Cat in the Hat. You know, so it, in my opinion, that it really was not a big deal at all. Yeah, I did feel like it was a cancel culture. I felt like it was a company just looking at their discography or looking at their their library and saying, uh, not discography, excuse me, their library and saying, hey, we probably shouldn't put these out in the year 2021. We probably shouldn't have had them out to begin with. But hey, you know, they're not, they're not even their top six books. I don't understand the issue here. I think that people are trying to make a societal change, identify a societal trend, which could be valid in, a, in, a, in applying it to everything. I think, like I said, it's an undefined topic that is attempting to be so broadly defined. Um, speaking of cancel culture, kind of, did you hear about the documentary HBO's doing on uh, Woody Allen? I have not, no, what's that about? Ah, so 
there have been rumors of him having a um, sexual relationship, I believe, with one of his children that he may have adopted. Wow. And so I think this documentary is kind of going into that. And, and so I think once it's, once people kind of see it and hear about it, I wonder like what effect that's going to do as far as like with his career and some of the things that he was connected to while he was um, alive. Um, so what do you feel about people who are no longer with us? How does that work as far as reprimanding or cancel culture? I think like the scope needs to be limited. Mm. I think the scope needs to be limited to looking at I don't know it's interesting I would need to look at every person like who's a good example of that I think we should look at it as like does this person still have influence in the culture and what influence right and so, what influence they have yeah so this person just like you know barely you know d celebrity you know you know d-list celebrity and they barely have any um any influence? Uh, I think, you know, reprimand them, but, you know, how do we go about that? Give me an example of somebody um, that's no longer with us, um, post-humonious, um, Michael Jackson. Yeah, that, that's, should that's music. Should his music be taken off um, different platforms? Um, should he, if he, I don't know if he has a star, should his star be removed from the um, Walk of Fame? Um, that's the one that kind of jumps out to me. So, I guess like depends on who paid for it. If the 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 Star Walk of Fame was created by a private company, then it's their call. If it was created by the city of California, then it's there. Then it's uh, and again, that might be the city of California's call. Um, mm. They want to keep it, keep it. Not, not. Um, Discography is different. I don't, I don't know to what extent you can eliminate someone. All right? Uh, do you take them off iTunes? I mean, if that's a thing anymore, maybe Apple Music, it's their call. Um, all these platforms, I think it is their call. You can't, I don't think you can eliminate the intellectual, you can't ban their sound. But mm. I think if someone was like, if a company, the private company that they've used when they were alive, their platform or their estates using to advertise the music and gain profit, then if the private company wants to do it, then go for it. I think it becomes an issue is when the government regulates things. Mm. The government can't do that. No, I don't think the government can do it. But these private companies that have their own platform and can decide who's on what, then yeah, they have that right as of now. That makes sense. I, I feel you on that. Um, but then it goes into the parental advisory that was put on music, like how I don't know if there was a private company that did that. I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna get our music, man. Like tape traders back in the day that would do it, underground mixtapes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's not going anywhere. No, and I and I feel you on that. One. Like it's 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 not going anywhere. And you you reach a limit when you try to cancel people and how how much you can do, how far you can do it. So yeah, yeah, man. Well, so what else, man? I know we're. Well, it looks like we're running low on time right now. Um, yep, this is certainly a free and flowing podcast for sure. <laughs> we I mean, I, I think flow through. I, I, I like we talked about Biden's first fifty days a little bit. We talked about his the things that have gone on in his first fifty days. Basically, yeah. You know, look for part two, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be getting into the policy that that uh, President Joe Biden has actually been implementing. Uh, next week, we're going to have a guest of on our show. 
We'll be having Miss Lindsay Simone from the uh, North Carolina Central University Masters of Public Administration program. Uh, she'll be joining uh, Mr. Dwayne Atkins, myself, and rotating third, Freddie Serrano. Um, yeah. And then uh, looking to get some more guests in the future, ladies and gentlemen. Dwayne, uh, if you have anything else for us. Let me hit y'all with this. It's just plain and simple. We out of here. Free drinks flowing. That's all I got. All right. Speaking go. of free drinks, Dwayne, we're heading to Highwire after this. You coming? Oh, for real? Yeah, we're in Highwire. Yeah, Are you coming? I might swing through. All right. We'll see you there. Okay, then. All right, brother. Have a good night. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Keep it free, like Mr. Dwayne said, and keep it flowing. Anything, Fred? Uh, yeah, uh, talk freely and keep the drinks flowing. All right, Dwayne, end us <laughs> quick. Give us something. End us right. Be free and keep the drinks flowing. Boom. There we go.